What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go beyond the scripts. everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft, and today I want to talk to a special guest who is out in the North Carolina region. Yet again, North Carolina, just a hot spot for awesome pharmacists. Um, but today we're going to talk to Ahuna Freeman, who has found some interesting ways to serve her community. And uh, let's jump right in. Ahuna, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Will. It's a pleasure. Well, so um, I think this is the first time we've actually talked in person. I've talked to you on LinkedIn, but uh, I kind of have an advantage here because I already kind of feel like I know you because I rewatched a podcast yesterday where I got to uh, kind of get a refresher about some of the things you're doing out there and um, a, a little bit about your story. Uh, so I actually found you. I have to give a shout out to the uh, Black Women Pharmacists podcast uh, because Again, uh, I think that's just a really cool podcast and uh, learned a lot about you there. So thanks for joining us and uh, shout out if you guys are looking for another podcast to try out. Um, so if uh, if anyone wants to learn a little bit about you, that's a, a great place to start. So we're going to cover a little bit about there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born and raised in Nigeria and I came to the U.S., Maybe to, in 1997, so it's been that long. And um, my parents reside in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I've been. And um, went to UNC Asheville, University of North Carolina in Asheville. That's where I met my now husband. We've been together since then. We just had an anniversary. But um, so from Asheville, um, majored in chemistry towards the end of um, my four years in, in Asheville, I started thinking, what's next? You know, I knew I had to move on to something next, um, but I was so over school. But as luck would have it, <laughs> <laughs> I was. And um, anyone that knows Nigerian parents know that's not where it ends. So my mom, my parents were <laughs> all over our head. And... Um, they all wanted to push us further. Like, okay, what are you gonna do next? You have to get into med school. But I was not going to go to med school, it was just too much. But as luck would have it, I started doing my research. It was either going to be PharmD or dentistry. So pharmacy or dentistry. So I looked up the curriculum on Google and it really scared <laughs> me, therapeutics, pharmacology is like, I'm not going to make this. But anyways, two weeks before um, the PCAT deadline to, to sign up for it, I decided, oh my God, I better do this now or never. So I signed up for it, two weeks studied, and I guess I showed up to take the test. I was so nervous. But somehow I passed the test and I started the application. And that's really how I ended up at Campbell. So I attended, I did my PharmD at Campbell, graduated 2009, um, did my rotations in the triad area with Baptist, and that's how I ended up in Winston-Salem. 
Uh, my husband, nice. at the, yes, was actually working so at, in Winston-Salem. So I decided to, okay, well, I'll do my rotations there. And I've been in Winston-Salem since then. So we've been in Winston-Salem since 2008. So when you said 1997, I was like, okay, that's 10 years ago. Um, I'm having a hard time with this. <laughs> Um, 2008, also 10 years ago, right? No. Um, so, uh, yeah. So when, uh, you came over, uh, from Nigeria, did your whole family come or did you come explicitly for education? No, my mom actually came here first. She's a nurse and she was a nurse in Nigeria. So they had um, a lottery system that if, if, um, if she took the test, some nursing exam, and if she passed, she could practice either in the U S or in England. So she happened to do one that she was able to come to the US. So when she came, after a couple of years, she had to file for papers to bring on her family. And that's how my dad, her husband, my dad and my three other siblings, so it's four of us, we all came at the same time. The oh, time wow. I was still in husband. yes. And it was really difficult leaving like your friends that like you've made all this while and just coming to a completely new place. But at the time, though, in Nigeria, it was very exciting just to go to the U.S. I mean, all you see in the movies, just glittering lights, fancy cars, like just the best life, right? Oh, nobody said about the hard work that came with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like for... I feel like for most other countries, they see the U.S. as either like Hollywood or Texas. Like, <laughs> no, that is really true. You know, like us, when or someone that's never been to Las Vegas and you get to Vegas and you see all those towers and like the skyscrapers, you know, just lit up at night. That's how most of us saw U.S. everywhere in the U.S. And I realize that now that I'm here in Winston-Salem at the location where the pharmacy is, there's a lot of immigrants. And when we have conversations and we talk, I'm, it's so amazing how everyone kind of just kind of relates. It's like, wow, that's something we'll talk about in Nigeria. Like you guys talk about stuff like that. So yeah, the U.S. is, it's, it's pretty cool for the outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, the U.S. is definitely a little different once you get here, but you, you kind of touched on you know, people are people and there's some of the same challenges, I assume, uh, even if there's kind of a different, different playing fields uh, uh, here than bureaucracy and insurance. And, you know, I, I imagine things work a little bit differently here. Yes. And that's something else. That's one of the things that um, I do enjoy being here, this location at the pharmacy, because things are really different when you finally like have your two feet on the ground in the U.S. soil. Like there's so many different ways to navigate things compared to your country of origin. Like you mentioned, the insurance. You know, insurance, just getting prescriptions for things like penicillin or some type of antibiotics. In, in Nigeria, at least, or in most of the countries that we're familiar with here, those things are something you can just pick, pick out from the drugstore down the street. You know, but here, no, you can't really do that. You have to be examined. You have to be evaluated. Then you have to go, you have to get a prescription and then you have to take it to the pharmacy. So sometimes it's just hard to explain those things to others. But yeah. sometimes it's frustrating for them to, to understand that, yes, you actually do have to go through those processes. And that's why, like, some of the things we do now, 
Like we're making it so much easier, trying to make it easier for others to understand and just have resources available for them to just point them to so they can get what they need and get back onto their normal health or their normal life. Yeah, because um, a lot of people come through, visit, go back, stay for a short period of time or just may never even leave. And some of them are just not even documented. So even when they're willing to go through the process, the fear of not having the right documents or being found out is still there. So those are the things we're very sensitive about. And that's why we want to help. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I didn't even think about that aspect of, you know, that that initial just barrier to basic healthcare and and culturally, you know, if you're used to, uh, you know, going to buy Tamiflu or buy amoxicillin or or things like that, um, and and we really have some hurdles here that you have to go through um, to obtain that. I never really kind of thought about that, especially in somewhere as kind of landlocked, I guess, is North Carolina. Um, you know, I would expect that, you know, just kind of see some of those challenges more on like border states. But um, that's, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yes, you'll be surprised. I think um, some of these were brought to light during the pandemic. You know, last year was just very different for everyone, you know, no matter who. But quickly we realized that if my neighbor is not well, it somehow um, it somehow comes back to me because especially for something that's infectious or can be transmitted easily, it made us quickly buckle down and say, okay, well, we have to make everybody and get everybody on the same page here because being on one page and someone else, our neighbors on the other page, it's a matter of time, it's gonna come down to us. So that's just one of those things. Um, being ill, not um, because not having the means or not knowing how to navigate the healthcare system or just being afraid to, it's it's something that not a lot of people think about. But I myself, I didn't think about it to to that extent until last year, you know. And that's when we decided, okay, something has to give, <laughs> so we have to re-narrate our story and try to find other ways. And right now we're still trying to figure it out, but every day is a learning process for us. Yeah, so before COVID even, you kind of had, I don't know, uh, a similar experience working in a, in a big box store where you have those kind of barriers to patient communication and patient understanding and, and finding new ways to serve patients. So. Before you started your pharmacy, you were in one of those big box stores. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience. <laughs> yes, so I was with the Alphabet Soup store, but um, you know, I I enjoyed my time there. It served a good purpose in my life. If I had to go back, I wouldn't redo it all because it really was just a stepping stone and a learning process. But um, when I was, well, I was there for almost 10 years as a technician and then pharmacy intern and then a pharmacist. But quickly when I became a pharmacist, being at different locations was very eye-opening because the, the locations and the population within each location differed a lot. 
So the most recent one right before I left was where the light bulb went out or when came on, on, out. <laughs> where the light bulb came on and um, there was a lot of barrier to helping people who actually needed help. And as pharmacists, we immediately want to help, but sometimes it's just harder or sometimes even though you help, it actually works against you because it does put you so much behind on other things that has to be done. You still have a goal in place and you still have things you have to accomplish. So, and you want to take the same time to care for everyone, just like you would care for your mom or your dad, a parent, a relative, but it just wasn't feasible. So, and it, I guess it pained me a lot more because when patients are really engaged, I find it difficult to go halfway. So if a patient sure. is engaged, I'm going all in with you. Like everything has to stop. We're doing it. We're setting the goal. You're telling me you're doing it. You're in for it. So that's basically what I, I started doing over there. But it wasn't, it wasn't practical. And yeah. I knew something had to change. And the satisfaction with your career and the profession just was not happening anymore. You know, I would come, go home, and just still think of the patient I saw earlier or earlier that week. And if I wasn't going in the next day, I wondered what would, you know, what was the outcome, what happened? Did somebody else pick up the slack? You know, just so many things like that. And then it was really affecting my family life too. And at the time I had like, I think I just, at the time I, I still had my little kids. You know, they were still young. The first one was like 18 months or maybe 12 months. And then the second one was still like a baby or like two weeks or like, no, more like 12 weeks old. You know, they were still very young, young, young. And I knew when I went out on maternity leave to have the second one, that thought was really strong. And I told yeah. my husband, look, we have to do something. But I'm like, do what well, we can. <laughs> yeah. So what, what you don't want to lose is that spark, that passion. And when, you know, you're, you, when you're kind of butting up against, you know, that passion for helping patients versus meeting metrics, you know, that, that, that's not a, a situation that somebody passionate wants to be in. Um, and you really, it seems like you have two options. You can either, you know, flip that switch and try to turn off that passion, or you can let it drive you mad, or you can move on to something that lets you grow. That's, that's exactly right. And that's honestly, now with my students, that's one thing I leave them with. You know, when you graduate and you come out, you're full of knowledge. You have all the spark. You're ready to just light up the world. You know, don't forget that spark because honestly, no matter where they end up or where you end up at, eventually it starts wearing off because no matter where you, you start doing the same things, the same things. And then it's even worse when you have no control of what you're doing. So now you're forced into doing the same thing. You try to perfect it, you perfect it, but you keep spinning the same wheel and the spark starts dying. I said, no, don't ever lose it. You know, once you see it dimming, just remember this conversation, find something else, not necessarily quit the job or go open a pharmacy. I wouldn't even say go open a pharmacy now, <laughs> but <laughs> find something like change it up, you know, because you don't ever want to lose that spark. 
So you went straight from there to taking that spark to Southside? Yes. So I went straight to there to here because um, I really liked the education portion of pharmacy, um, contributing by patient education and just empowering them. Um, there's something about taking a whole bunch of medications and not knowing why you're taking it or what each yeah. medicine is. But you know it's the white one, the pink one, the yellow one, the round one. No, <laughs> we're not going to do that here. And we're just not going to feel, feel, feel. So that's basically what we brought in here. And it was a matter of, okay, you're on this or you just, and usually you just get back from the ER. Why? So what can we yeah. do better? Are we just going to keep swinging it till we go back next week? Right. So, and doing that, we realized too, it was time consuming and it wasn't um, compensated because let's face it, the, the spark is great. The energy is good. But money is also good, right? <laughs> so it's not, um, none of those things are directly compensated for, you know, indirectly, yes. And that's why here we look into a lot of grants. So we see any grants that can support or align with our movement or align with our vision. Oh, we're going in, we're partnering up with people, you know, we're looking for resources to help us stay solid on what we're moving towards. And um, and we have a couple of them going on right now too. Yeah. And some of the things too that we do is just trying to sell the clinical skills that we have as pharmacists. Um, here, when I opened here, when we opened here, I quickly realized also that the reimbursement rates are not that great. And then they have this talk about DIR fees. Like, what is this? You know, no. <laughs> and when I tell people, so, they're not even sure what it is. Yeah. The um, so in our last podcast, we uh, talked to Ken and Ashley Duggins about DIR fees, and just you know, especially if you come from another uh, complete ecosystem, healthcare ecosystem, trying to understand how we bill prescription drugs with all of the different acronyms, with different price values, and you know, it's it's a it's very very convoluted, but I, I think he touched on something very cool, and that um, you know Medicare Part D kind of recognized that hey prevention is key, right? So giving people medication is key to keeping them out of the hospital, saving money in healthcare. This is a great idea. Let's invest in medication. And it's almost like we're kind of on that cusp of like, okay, let's have Medicare part you for understanding, <laughs> you know, like something <laughs> that we kind of like acknowledge, you know, we've, we've kind of acknowledged uh, medication and, and, and prevention. Now let's acknowledge how important your time is that you're spending, you know, educating those patients, because really that's, that's where you can make the biggest change you know adherence is great but what if you can go a step further that's that's very true because the time the time spent on these especially on a population that really requires that one-on-one -on -one, like a sit down break it down one-on-one -on -one, it's it can take anywhere from 30 to a whole hour and sometimes doing that over the phone 
is just out of the question, you know, and that's when the student and I, I say, okay, on this day, we're going to this person's home and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And people, you know, other teams that actually work with us, like a transition of care team would, when we tell them that we do stuff like that, they're like, what? You know, we kind of do that when we discharge them. And then after that, we're hands off and we just hope for the best. So people like you actually help keep the, keep their hands held throughout the process. But how? Like, how do you get paid? But it's just not about the pay now. I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting paid for that. We need to get paid for that, as a matter of fact. But it's about keeping them still on that healthy path. And a lot of people would tell me, you just have to be careful with this prevention stuff you're preaching because you prevent all those things, you wouldn't have anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and you will be out of business. And I, I tell them, I tell them back, you know, if I don't prevent them, they're going to die off before it's time. And then I won't have anybody else. So do I want them to die now <laughs> or die later? <laughs> I think later. Or maybe not at all, right? So right, I need right. them alive and at least functioning, not like, you know, just sitting back and watching. Again, it's just the human in us, too. We can't just do that. And um, all of those are time-consuming. But it doesn't stop anything. And... Right now, we're just hoping that some of these organizations can just keep rallying for pharmacists to be able to get compensated for um, uh, activities that like that, you know, using our yeah. skills without necessarily having to partner with a provider and getting the reimbursement through the provider, because that's something else we do with our other consultant side of the pharmacy, you know, but it'll be nice just to get it directly. Sure, sure. So kind of walk me through, um, you know, one of the one of the coolest things, like one, one of my favorite quotes that that I remember just over my years of being here is uh, I stopped by uh, RX Clinic Pharmacy and I was talking to Amina and she said, you know, when a prescription comes in, like it's never just like a short order cook, you know, you never just take the order, fill it. And that prescription tells you so much about that patient. And so that opens up so many different doors. So walk me through, you know, your process. If you have a patient that comes in, a new patient with, you know, multiple medications, chronic uh, disease states, you know, how do you, how do you act on that to, you know, improve that patient's outcome? By the way, I love them over there. I, I'm like your secret admirer at RX Clinic. Amina <laughs> knows this. And if you're watching Amina, girl. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but what um, what you said is really true. And I'll give you a perfect example, okay? So a patient, I had a patient coming a couple of years ago, maybe when we first started opening and we're still pushing the whole prevention, preventive health and all that. That's not attractive, right? So this patient um, went to the ER, then came back. And that prescription they brought in, I knew it had something to do with diabetes. So I asked, and he didn't, he wanted to know how much it was. He doesn't have insurance. He just doesn't even want to do what they told him to do at the hospital to sign up, bring his paperwork and all this stuff, register with, he didn't want to do that. He just wanted to get the prescription and just get it. Hopefully he won't have to go back to the ER because he was good up until he went to ER, right? So with that prescription, I said, okay, no problem. I gave him the, pr the price 
And that one, I think it was for, I don't know. I think, I can't remember. I think it was for one type of insulin. It wasn't as, insulin is generally expensive, but I know it's a type of insulin. I can't remember if it's a short acting, long acting, but it was an insulin. So with that one prescription, I knew he was desperate. And I told him, so you're shopping for this and you're trying just to get the price so you can use it. But are you going to follow up? Because this tells me a whole lot. So tell me more. What's going on? Like, why are you just getting this one? And why do you just want to just get this? So he said, well, I was feeling really bad. I was feeling really sick. I don't know what's going on. So I told me the whole story, but end up, end up in the ER. And then they checked his blood sugars really, really high. It was in the 700s. And they did some blood work. And they found out, like, his creatinine, his kidneys were just it was just going downhill. So they said, okay, you need to show up to this place. You need to get this and blah, blah, blah. But he's going to be honest with me. He's not doing that. He said, I'm not going to do all that stuff. I just want to get the insulin and then I can get the blood sugar because they got it down. They admitted him, lowered it, and then wanted him to continue, but to come through and follow up with the classes. So I told him, okay, well, no problem, but you have to understand this is our warning signs. You know, your body is actually good enough and nice enough to flag just throw the red flag. So it's either you see it or you act like you don't. So with this, this one thing you're telling me, you're giving me right now, tells me that you're headed to kidney failure. You're probably headed to blindness. And who knows the condition of your heart? And honestly, what all that means is that your longevity, longevity is just slowly going down. So is that really where you want to head to? And I was like, ah... No, not really. They did say stuff like that. I was like, all right, you know, we do have these diabetes education classes. You can start with that just to start amending things that you're doing right now, because there's something that you're doing that's just not working out with your health. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just think about it, but I'll just, I'll get insulin. But thank you so much. Brushed me off and he he's bi, he's bilingual. So, but he spoke good English to communicate with me. Usually I have my staff that will also help me too. But we communicated well. He took the insulin. He left. And that was it. I didn't see him again, but I knew the picture of everything. This guy, he didn't have a PCP. He's not following through with his care. He's just fixing, band-aiding, or putting the band-aid right now. And I know it's not good. Well, fast forward months later, he came back. This time around, he came back with, a pain, a prescription for pain, one of those opioids, but nothing to alarm me or anything, just a few tablets, again, from now nephrology. And I said, oh, my God, my friend, you're back. Are you ready for the class? <laughs> oh, he goes, oh. And then he looked down, and I was like, what's wrong? I was like, uh, I got this um, from the doctor. I wish I really listened to all that stuff he said because – and then he pulled his shirt up. And I was like, okay, what is that? So it looks like he was starting dialysis. Oh, wow. Right. And I said, oh, wow. I'm like, I'm so sorry. We can't turn back the time. But um, I really wish you the best. And I really want you to still co come through. And I can still help. Like, we can't, you still can do things better, you know? So, and he's really young. He was probably in his 40s. I don't know. But anyways, 
he took that and I haven't seen, and just like that, he disappeared again. I didn't see him again until during the vaccine. And then yeah. a couple of weeks ago, he came back. And this time around, he came back because he only came back to talk to me. You know, so it, it seems like he's, he kept thinking about us too. And I kept thinking about him too, but I don't even know where to find this guy. So I asked yeah. him like, yes, can I help? And he said, come over. And I came over. He said, I just wanted to know if you're still doing those classes because, um, if you have someone that really like was in my position that needs help, especially Spanish, I want to be able to help you. I want to partner with you to help because I don't want anyone else to be going through what I go through now. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, I'm curious, do you see kind of a, a gender bias on that? Like hesitation to ask for help? I know, I know sometimes just being a guy, it seems like that's, <laughs> that kind of goes with the territory of, you know, unfortunately, yes, I do see that. And it's the bias. The men are the ones that usually want until the engine is about to just the head is about to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. You know, they're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I just want to check my blood pressure. Then you check. It's like 199 over 101. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yes. But the, the women... Uh, the women, they, they take on a lot, but I think they do listen when the time comes. But they also, most people here, they also wait to the last minute. But then you bring the reality to them, like your kids, your family, your home. What's going to happen to them? And they all of a sudden wake back up. Yeah. Well, that's that's something else, too, that's interesting. I mean, you can kind of look at social determinants and and find that you know there are populations that are going to wait until disease states progress to like an unignorable point um you know like are, are you able to kind of identify some of those issues early and and help turn that around yeah for the most part and um especially with the patients that we deliver to you know, our delivery guy, he's really good at making conversation and just, he, they love him. So when he goes, he's talking with them and he brings back information that very, you know, eye-opening to us that help us recognize some of those social determinants of health. Like these people, sometimes, you know, food might be an issue or um, childcare, maybe grandma that's had the, the, the grandbaby for a while, but grandma can't really take care of her own stuff if she's up watching a child that's so much younger. And then with virtual school, the frustration, the stress, and then dealing with the kids' emotional needs too from from the whole virtual reality we're in. So we we do, yeah, we do determine that a lot and uh, we see that a lot. And sometimes they come, when they come, they just lay it out on the table even without asking. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And after that, though, there's, depending on what we're told, sometimes we make the call to their provider. The primary care and say, look, just to put it out there to let you know, you know, we spoke with X, Y, and Z, and this is what they told us. We really recommend that somebody, clinical staff, call them. Maybe set an appointment. Just have them come in and evaluate this. And and sometimes a lot of things work out that way. And if we don't make, if we never made that call, that would never have been addressed. 
So it's just one of those things like it gives us pride just being here that we're able to. But again, we're not recognized when those things come into play. Definitely working with groups like CPESN is trying to kind of change that. You know, care planning is definitely helping to kind of turn that page and, and show that documentation. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was your diabetes training, which I think is uh, you know a really great example of quantifiable care that you're providing outside of medication. So tell me a little bit about My Sweet Life. So the My Sweet Life is the name we gave it because we had to give it a name. But um, it's basically we are recognized under Diabetes Smart. And that's an organization within the community and clinical connection for North Carolina. And um, so because of that recognition, we are, they're the ones that monitor or like at least we have to meet their quality assurance. So and we went through the process just because. In most pharmacies, you know, the pharmacist can be pulled aside to give some type of diabetes care whether it's to explain the medication or just simple question, explain labs. Sometimes they bring in their lab work. You know, most pharmacies or pharmacists will do that. But we went through the process because we wanted to make sure that what we provided was what was, well, what, what we provide is up to par with what the organizations would want or at least to be recognized. That's why we went through the process. The challenge with it, though, is just the reimbursement and the billing as providers and as pharmacy billing for that. So we did a lot of free education just to get the recognition. We still don't know how to navigate the billing as providers for that. But um, what we're doing now is just because we also do A1C tests, we believe that if these people are engaged enough to understand their numbers, understand what these numbers mean and what the whole process of managing diabetes mean, then they'll be more, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be able to take care of their own diabetes. So this all started this year. Um, we're looking, well, one of the, one of the, one of the journalists here in the city, you know, did a big article on us and basically just saying everything that we've been doing, like, wow, we didn't know this existed here. And it looked like a whole lot of people read that and saw that. And we had a lot of outpour of support and, and it was almost overwhelming, but, you know, I appreciated that. It's something we've been doing. You know, yeah. people were very um, appreciative of what we're doing. So a lot of them actually started donating. They're like, we want to help you to keep, want to reach more. Once you reach more people, we want you, we want to help you. But because of all that donation, we're like, we can't just take this money. You know, the pharmacy is not a nonprofit. So we have a nonprofit now, Kirby's Care Foundation. So the foundation will help people that actually are engaged with their health and needing to learn more to be able to take care of themselves without worrying about immigration status or worrying about um, financial or economic issues if they take that step forward. That's, that's pretty cool. So, you know, that's, uh, again, a reoccurring thing with every awesome independent pharmacy I talk to is people just don't 
really have the the full story out there. You know, when people think pharmacy, you think I have to go to the you know the big box. I I, I think there's just nationwide kind of an under uh, awareness of what independent pharmacy can do for just the average person. You know, and then on on top of that. One of the really, really neat things that you can do is just contact your local news, you know, uh, get your name out there. That's something that you can do super easy. And, you know, news news outlets are just like any other business. They're looking for content. And so if you bring them great content, it makes it makes their job like a little easier. They're happy to tell a good story about a great business who's helping the community and people are willing to give, you know, um, a lot of people are looking for ways to help. So it seems like you've kind of tapped into those things by, you know, building those relationships with your community, with your, with your news uh, organizations and, you know, being able to act on, on those. So where do you, where do you see that? growing how do you how do you see that serving your community in the future well it's 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 funny you said that because you're not the only one that said that to us and i'm always like mm, i don't want to make that cut i don't want to make that effort and then they call me i'm like ah. <laughs> <laughs> no but um i don't know somehow it just happened um i guess the guy that came through also when 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 he came another lady well, before, well, after that, a lady came and said, I'm, I was so happy to read that and see that because honestly, after my experience, I went and called my buddy and he said, look, you're the 10th person that's called me about this place. I have to go there. I'm like, wow. really? Right. I was like, okay. <laughs> but um, where do we think or where are we going to take this to? Uh, honestly, there's no limit. We're going to go as far as it can take us. And I think the biggest thing is just being open to learning the process and the new things that we're being introduced to. Because I can tell you when the doors first opened and when the decision was like, okay, we're going to do this. I had no idea <laughs> <laughs> what, which foot was supposed to move first, or go next. And, and, and even now we're still learning. And my my whole goal is just as we're learning, I want the whole team to be learning together. And as long as we're moving forward and we're making more impact and we're getting the word out there and people are being more aware and more appreciative of what we're bringing to the table, I think we're doing a good And then we're paying bills. Then I know we're doing a good job. <laughs> we can't forget the bill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Un un that's the unfortunate, uh, you know, reality. It's it's really easy to be idealistic, and you know, sometimes the practicality of it will uh, <laughs> come back kind of hard. And I think it's so much easier too if um, other members of the healthcare system does see that because I think they're so, um, like you said, people underestimate what independent independent pharmacies do. In the same token, I also believe that providers don't fully understand like our skills and the capabilities that we have. So if that can be seen, it'll be so much easier because I can tell you it will translate back to the patient and the patient will be more open-minded to have a pharmacist help them do certain things rather than, I know like when I was with the big box chain, 
with those approaches, some patients were like, oh, no, I'll just tell my doctor to take care of it. Oh, no, I don't. I'll tell my doctor instead. But we're all, you know, we're all, they're all guarded by the same thing that protects them from their doctor's office, at their doctor's office, like the HIPAA laws. You know, Mm -hmm. those information, knowing it, we can put it out there. You know, all of this is just for their own benefit. So once that starts changing, um, pharmacy will be, we'll be getting better. (laughs) Now it's great, but it definitely can get better and the opportunities. There's so much we can do with pharmacy. It's like a stage. So we can bring in the game. Yeah, that was that was one of the quotes. I, I love that you uh, mentioned that. I, actually, I think I messaged you on uh, on LinkedIn because when I when I listened to the uh, 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 other podcast that I'd mentioned, you said that pharmacy is like a stage, and you can really bring your strengths, your performances. It's your it's your place to shine and bring something good to, you know, the, the people around you. And I, I thought that was a really cool way of looking at it. Yeah, it really is. And at first it's, it's scary and it's just, it's something that you're not sure of. And then of, of course the confidence too, to perform is you may not have it all, but as a stage, you're prepared to come up to the stage so you can choose to dance at the stage. You can choose to do drama You know, you can sing, you know, pharmacists are trained to do so many skills and sometimes we're just stuck with singing. So what happens when your vocal cord breaks while you're singing? (laughs) (laughs) Now you remember that you can move and dance. Right, right. Yeah, it's just one of those. And um, trying to network to to know people that can guide you, because that's one of the things that's been very that's been a blessing, honestly, for the past couple of months, just having mentors that, like, you know, one particular mentor that come in and said, my goodness, like, you're doing all of this. If this is something I would do if I were your age with all the energy. So, you know what? I want to help. And I'm like, mm, how? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I want to help. And it's just, they're genuinely want to guide you. So whether it's business venture or, you know, new program or new skills you're trying to grow in, they, they know that they have it and they're not afraid to share it. So meeting people like that has been just a blessing too. And I hope that can be something I pass down to other people. Um, like we just have a new pharmacist now that's also helping us and, and everything can get overwhelming with so much going on, but it's like, all right, I want to teach you everything, you know, whatever it is that um, I can have you making the same mistake. So those are great to have around. Yeah. And so you're stepping into that, into that, uh, that role uh, now. So it's not something you, you can hope to do. You're doing it now. Uh, You actually were a preceptor of the year, correct? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, definitely, definitely. You're, you're being modest. You're definitely already making that impact. Yeah, my students, I do enjoy having students around because um, a lot of times they come to learn, but I tell them, you're here to learn, but I'm also here to learn from you. We all here are learned to, to learn. And the funny thing, when COVID happened last year, we were like, oh, 
well, maybe we won't have students. But every single month we did, you know, these students decided like, no, we're still going to come because nobody planned the pandemic. So what if we're pharmacists now? We can't just not work. Right. Right. And that, yes. And that was very like, OK, like you're ready. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. And I, I, I even when things like this happen, like I think so much about it, especially when I run, I run a lot. I think so much about it and then I'll write them down. And I wrote down every single month, each student that came through, there was something every single one of us, one of them taught us. So that is not pharmacy related. So what if that never happened and we never did the preceptin? That would be a total loss. You know, oh, you go through yeah. life and you lose those values, like education that you just received. Oh. So, yeah. Tell me you're sharing those somewhere on a blog that I haven't found yet. I haven't shared them. I really haven't. Like, I have them all written down. And that's, I tell my husband this, I'm like, I feel like I need to just be putting this somewhere. But then I just don't want to, but I used, I used to just write them and just give it to the local newspaper just for patient education and on their health section. But then I'm like, I feel like I just need to have a place to always put this. And I still don't know. So anyone out there? If you have a better <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, idea for me. <laughs> yeah, you, you should definitely be sharing those. Put them on your, you know, an Instagram with a, a, a pretty background <laughs> or uh, somewhere because I, I bet those are really, really fantastic. Yeah, the, the one with the guy I told you about, I wrote that. And then um, the students every month, you know, from golfing to um, Afrocentric hair care that I've always been intimidated by. Mind you, I have Afrocentric, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, they brought so much knowledge. I learned that. And then, like, um, teaching. Um, one of my students used to be a teacher for so many years, homeschooled all her kids, and then decided to go to pharmacy school later on after they were grown. And I'm a bad teacher to my kids. And when I do homework with them here, everyone is, like, cringing because I just want to <laughs> kill them. <laughs> so, like, just so, like, Pulling out tricks and wits to engage them. I'm just like, my goodness. Then learning about dogs and I don't know nothing about dog breed. So each student brought something emotional intelligence. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Just things like that. Yeah, there I keep writing them because when I look back, especially like maybe one day down the road out, if I decide like, nah, I'm tired of students. I can look back and say, oh, no, I can't lose this. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. That's really, really cool. The next challenge would be um, I do want to write some of those. I put them in Spanish as one of the Spanish newspaper because they want to do that. I'm like, OK, so I just haven't. There's yeah, only so many hours in the day. It sounds like you're you're really filling them out. So much. Um, so uh, about out of time, uh, just to close this out here. Go ahead and give give me some advice if I'm a pharmacist who, uh, let's say I'm an independent pharmacy and, and I do have that um, that autonomy to try something new and introduce something new. You know what um, what advice would would you have to a pharmacy that's maybe feeling stagnant? Um, I would definitely say when you're feeling stagnant, you would know it because you feel it. You come in, you open, you close, you come in, you open, and then you're thinking on your way home, like, oh, my God, I got to do something. If there's that one particular thing that you think I got to do, I got to do, just do it. 
because what do you have to lose? You don't have anything to lose. Sometimes it feels like there's so many programs going on, but at least you can narrow it down to a couple of the programs and go online and see who else is doing it. And where do I start? You know, what am I, what would it cost me? Because you have to think of the cost. You know, what are my risks? So if the risk is not so much, that's not going to take you out, do it. The fear will always be there. There's nothing that you're going to dive in that you're not going to be fearful of. But when you don't dive, you never know how hard or how easy you slide in. So I would say, do not let yourself get stagnant. You have the power to change different things. If it's not working, just change it. You're the boss. Um, consult your team. Keep them engaged because if your team is not engaged, then it's so hard to push the program forward. And if they're not engaged, find out what the problem is. Like, get their feedback and go for it. We've got nothing to lose and we have each other, the independent pharmacist. So that's what I would say, Will. Awesome. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you so much today. So thank you for joining us. And uh, hopefully I'll have you back here soon. And I may even see you out on the road at a trade show or something in, uh, in 2021, 2022. Who knows? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm starting to see those pop up on the calendar now. And I'm like, yes, like I, I'm, I'm looking for the word virtual after it. And, it, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> no, like virtuals, no, well, yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.